This is Nick Redding, and you're listening to PreserveCast, a podcast with a worldwide listenership that explores the broad world of preservation from every angle, from drones to mudlarking and everything in between. Now, let's get preserving. On this week's PreserveCast, we'll head back to the 19th century to explore the landscapes and sites associated with Frederick Douglass and talk with Jeffrey McGinnis about his photographic journey to document these sites for his new book, published by the St. Michael's Museum, Bear Me Into Freedom, The Talbot County of Frederick Douglass. This is Nick Redding, and you're listening to PreserveCast. Today, we're excited to be joined by Jeffrey McGinnis, and we're going to be talking about his book, Bear Me Into Freedom. Um, But before we get there uh, and we talk about Bear Me Into Freedom, the Talbot County of Frederick Douglass, um, we're going to learn all about what Talbot County is. And for those who perhaps don't know who Frederick Douglass is, you'll get a a crash course on that, although uh, he's someone who, who oftentimes needs no introduction. But before we get there, uh, we like to get to know our guests a little bit. So, uh, Jeffrey, where'd you grow up? Um, what was sort of your career path and, and how did you end up um, telling the story that you've told? It's a bit of an unusual career path for, for a photographer. I grew up in, in suburban Washington, D.C., went to college in the Midwest in the St. Louis area, was a photographer in the Air Force for four years during the Vietnam era. Uh, tried to work commercially as a photographer, found that wasn't quite for me. Went to law school, practiced law for 45 years. Uh, and then after stepping away from my firm, got back to where my heart was. And that was photography, history. Uh, and that immediately led to work on this book, Bear Me Into Freedom. And so, and and it didn't didn't know the 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 Vietnam piece. So you served in the U.S. Army, U.S. Air Force, U.S. Air Force. Sorry, and and you were a combat photographer, or what was that? What was that part of your story? I was more of a PR photographer <laughs> because I was I was assigned to the transport command, and I traveled all over the world uh, trying to show what a great job uh, the Air Force was doing during that conflict. Very interesting. Oh, that 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 would be a whole podcast unto itself, I'm sure, to hear that story. Um, is there a book coming uh, on that component of it, perhaps someday? No, but part of the problem is that I was a military photographer, so the Pentagon has all my uh, negatives <laughs> and all my good stuff. Yeah. So, no, I've moved on to other things. So you've moved back, uh, you know, I guess you moved back 100 years from from Vietnam to the 1860s, 1850s. Um, talk to us about Talbot County. Um, and I guess just by way of introduction, where you said you said you grew up in uh, suburban Washington, D.C. Where do you live now? And did that put you in a good place to be able to tell this story? Yes, because I, I live in Talbot County right now. I live in St. Michael's, Maryland. Uh, I've found that in order to do the <clears throat> I found that in order to do this book I had to live here year round every season because what I've done with the book is take the words of Frederick Douglass let Frederick Douglass tell his Talbot story and then I illustrate it with photography now that means I have to be here to wait for that right time where the light is right the season is right because I want to stay as close as possible uh to where the incidents he described occurred and in the season. So 
let's talk about the the research that went into this. Um, you know, when you're talking about letting him speak for himself, um, for people who perhaps aren't familiar, and we have listeners all over the world who, you know, some maybe are not as familiar with Frederick Douglass as others might be, and maybe it's just a good opportunity to kind of give an introduction. Who was Frederick Douglass? And I'd be interested to hear how you describe him. And why is his story worthy of this level of documentation and, and this kind of storytelling? Frederick Douglass is a fascinating figure. He was born in 1818 along the banks of the Tuckahoe Creek in Talbot County, in a remote uh, part of the county, born enslaved. Uh, at the end of his life, he was one of the most, he was probably the most recognized person in America. I mean, he was as recognized as Lincoln, as Grant, uh, as Mark Twain. But one of the reasons he was so well recognized is he was constantly on the road giving speeches and oratory because he he was the leading figure at that time speaking uh, about abolition, emancipation, civil rights. And also, as he went from town to town speaking, he wanted to overcome the stereotype of Black Americans. And he would go to the local photography studio and just ask for the person to take his picture and then pretty much do whatever they want with it. So there are thousands of Frederick Douglass photographs everywhere. He's more photographed than Lincoln or Grant and and uh, some of the other major figures of the century. It's funny. In some ways, he's like, he's like you're talking about PR before and doing sort of PR photography. I mean, he was he was the ultimate self-promoter in a way. And I don't mean that in a condescending or a cynical way, but he understood self-promotion perhaps better than anyone other than maybe like P.T. Barnum or someone like that. I mean, he really... I mean, that just that 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 little snippet alone, the idea of going town to town and saying, yeah, take my picture, do whatever you want with it. I mean, nobody else was doing that. Um, and he just had an uncanny knack for that sort of thing. So when you talk about letting him speak for himself, what kind of resources are you digging into and how do you match that up with the photography? And we'll let's we'll, we'll talk in depth about the photography and the, the photos and how the story kind of goes along with it. But what pieces of documentation are you using to tell that story? Uh, Frederick Douglass wrote three autobiographies. He wrote his first uh, maybe uh, four or five years after he sought his freedom in New England. Then a few years later, he wrote a second autobiography. And this was, he felt that he was being handled by all sorts of, of white abolitionists. And he wanted to speak for himself and stand on his own two feet. So he wrote a second biography, a far more detailed biography. And then towards the end of his life, he wrote his third autobiography. And each of those autobiographies provides just unbelievable detail of his uh, of his youth. Now, he was born in Talbot County. We could talk about the different experiences he had, which is important. Uh, and he lived in Talbot County for 11 years of the first 20 years of his life. And uh, and his narrative, and as he would go from town to town talking, what he was essentially doing was, as a as a former enslaved person, he was telling the story of what enslavement is truly like. And uh, there were not many people, not many Black Americans, doing that at that time. And uh, 
and his his uh, or his speech, his presentation, his story, uh, his slave narrative was all based on his Talbot County experience and his experience living in Baltimore, uh, and that. And that narrative became probably the most powerful narrative in American literature. And so you're able to line up. I mean, you're talking about a narrative, but you're able to line that up with specific places. So I'm thinking of, I mean, I I know some of the story here, but you're talking about like Y House and places where he actually then actually references a specific place. And is that how you're able to kind of line those up? I mean, for people who haven't picked up the book and, you know, this is a uh, we'll put a link in the show notes to where you can buy the book. Um, and, um, again, the book is called bear me into freedom, the Talbot County of Frederick Douglass. So you can go and get yourself a copy and see all of this in there. But is that how you then kind of align the story with photography and how close do you feel that you were able to kind of match it up? Yes, because, uh, he had a, the, the, a series of experiences over the 11 years. And then when he returned later in life, uh, and he was born on the Tuckahoe Creek, as I said. Uh, lived there six years, moved to Y House, uh, abject poverty along the Tuckahoe. The Y House in those years was the center of economic, political uh, power in probably the mid-Atlantic, if not the U.S. Just it was tremendously wealthy, primarily because of, uh, of tobacco. And he lived there for two years, then moved to, was sent to Baltimore to live at Fells Point along the harbor there, and uh, where he was, where he learned to read and write and picked up a trade. Uh, when he was 15, he was sent back to St. Michael's, it, and, and Baltimore at that point, third largest city in America, vibrant with a very large free African-American population, comes back to this backwater of St. Michael's, very, very poor town. Uh, you know, and he was a brilliant person, charismatic, a big guy, uh, had had discovered religion in Baltimore, uh, was just was overcome by the way preachers could sway an audience and had developed the, the speaking skills. So here he is walking around St. Michael's uh, looking, looking whites in the eye. He could read half the town, couldn't read more than half the town. He could read, he could, he could quote scripture, and he was then, because his enslaver couldn't really control him, sent him, leased him to a slaveholder seven miles outside of St. Michael's, uh, where he was to be broken. And he was whipped and beaten unmercifully for six months, uh, at which point he said, I've had it, stood up. The two fought to a draw, and once uh, the slave breaker realized he could not break Frederick Douglass, he just backed off, never touched him again, never laid a finger on him because he had a reputation to maintain. At the end of that year, he is sent to another uh, plantation where the, uh, the plantation owner was a far different individual, uh, tried to escape from that plantation, was caught, was jailed, and then... Uh, his uh, enslaver was said, if you don't either sell Frederick South, uh, if you don't get rid of him, uh, if you leave him here, we will shoot him because uh, he's disrupting the community. And at that point, he went back to Baltimore to Fells Point and shortly thereafter was able to figure a way to seek his freedom in New England. 
So do your, your photography, I mean, it's a compelling story and people listening to this, I'm sure want to pick up the book and then see these places. For example, the story, this, this really powerful story you tell about Frederick Douglass sort of resisting this, this so-called slave breaker. Um, were you able to find that spot? Do we know where that spot was? Yeah, we know where all the spots are. And, and, uh, and what the book does is, is it, it, it takes words out. Uh, there's, his, his autobiographies are a thousand pages long. So I spent, you know, several months going through the autobiographies and selecting those uh, phrases that would really collectively tell his Talbot story as, as briefly and concisely as I could, because there's just so much detail. I mean, the guy had, he had a photographic memory and you, you, you read his autobiographies. You're just amazed at how much detail that, that uh, you know, that he was was able to recall, you know, years later. And as you walk around the county and you look at these places, I mean, he didn't make this stuff up. I mean, yes, that that building was there. That tree was there. Uh, that, you know, that that creek, that river. It's just, it, it's just astounding, uh, you know, how bright this this person was. And uh, so, yes. So then I I, I uh, pulled that together and. Uh, uh, and if you'd like, I could, I could give you my my favorite uh, my favorite quote that I have in the book. Well, I love the favorite quote. And I'll, I'd also like to think we'll get to the favorite quote. But I think before that, I'm curious. You're talking about the photography piece here. What was the most? Well, there are a couple different ones. What was the most challenging one to get? Uh, in terms of the actual photograph itself, maybe we'll stop stop there, and then I have a couple other sort of most you know most difficult to kind of, you know. But what was the most challenging one to actually capture the image the correct way, or even just to get the right spot? Well, I, I'd say they were all challenging, some more than others, but they, they were all challenging because it, it, what I was trying to do is portray what this county may have looked like. And the places where Douglas lived may have looked like in the early 19th century. And you know, there was no photography in the early 19th century, uh, only drawings. So, so doing this photography, one thing I had to do, I would have to create the image and then I would have to do major Photoshop work. I'd have to remove satellite dishes. In some cases, I took additions off houses uh, and and to try to take take that image back to the essence of that early 19th century. So, <coughs> so the amount of work that went into each photograph is is really substantial. Probably the most difficult one was I want. All right, let me try that again. Probably the most difficult one was Y House. Now, many pictures have been taken about with Y. Many pictures have been taken of Y House, but Y House is a long, long, wide, huge, rambling building. And to get the sense, I had to do a panorama of it. And for the photography folks on the phone, I was using HDR, which means you take one image correctly exposed, one overexposed, one underexposed. So you get all the highlights and you get the shadows. You sandwich those three together. And then for White House, it was a panorama. I had to do that seven times. So that's 21 files that all have to be then stacked and then cleaned up. And then 
satellite dishes have to go, security lights, you know, anything 21st or 20th century had to be eliminated from the photograph. So that one photograph alone uh, probably has 150 hours worth of work in it. And that's a pretty important one, too, because if I remember correctly, was it on the back porch there that he was whipped as a child? Uh, no, no, no. He never. No, the back porch uh, was uh, and he was never really whipped. At, at, OK. Uh, at that, why? That, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, the back porch is significant because when he came back to the White House to visit it, you know, later in life, uh you know, he he at that point he, again one of the most famous people in America was welcomed by the family. You know, walked up, sat down, had a lovely uh, uh, drinks and a, you know, wonderful little hors d'oeuvres uh, on that back porch. Now, when I photograph the back porch today, the back porch has a screen porch. It's a screen porch, so we had to eliminate the screen porch and take it back to to what it would have liked when he returned in, in uh, the 1880s. Wow. Okay. Um, but he was, he, yeah, that, well, that's, that's a fascinating piece. So let's see here. So in addition to the most difficult one to get, which obviously was Y house, um, what was the, um, what was the most powerful one for you that you took that you just really sort of feel like, it, we, it really conveyed the space or perhaps was even the most authentic. You didn't have to do much editing or much Photoshopping. You just kind of were there and you captured a place that really felt as if it was the 19th century. Well, I, I think, and you know, the scholars that have been through this book felt that I have captured that 19th century feel in every photograph. They're just consistently working that through. But um, the, the, there, there is this theme that, that I didn't realize until I got deeply into his autobiographies and then spent time walking where he walked and where he lived. Uh, and that is the importance of the water. Now, Talbot County is a very unusual county. It is half land. It is half water. It has the longest coastline of any county in the United States. And Frederick Douglass really never lived more than a few steps from the water uh, the whole time he lived in Talbot County. And frankly, when he lived in Baltimore, Phil's Point, he was only a short walk from the water. So he saw the water as his highway to freedom. And if there is a motivating factor in everything he did and, 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 and in his thinking, it was trying to figure out how to use the water to gain his freedom. So there, I have a lot of water shots, a lot of water imagery in the book, but it all makes sense when you think about the importance of the water. He's born on the Tuckahoe Creek. His grandmother fished in that creek, uh, and he was transported when, whenever he moved. He, he moved by boat. That's just how, how it worked in those days. So... Obviously, you've done this super deep dive just into one aspect of his story, Talbot County, which is a really important aspect of his story, but one aspect of his story. And you talked about how he traveled the world and he traveled the country and took pictures everywhere. I mean, I was just reading last night about Frederick Douglass and his speech when they uh, ratified the 15th Amendment in, in Baltimore and this big procession he gave there. And then I was reading another one about him in Hagerstown and he just pops up everywhere. 
Um, and that's just Maryland, right? Um, what's next for you? I mean, you, you could spend the rest of your life documenting places associated with Frederick Douglass. Are, are you going to do more of this? I mean, it seems like you have the Douglass bug. <laughs> I do have the Douglas bug now more than ever. And uh, uh, the uh, what's interesting is I, I went to the Talbot Historical Society uh, for help for some of the images. I needed some pictures of Talbot County in the 19th century. And uh, they were, I mean, they were incredibly helpful to me. Uh, and so I, I, there were two people there. I, I walked in, I gave each one a copy of the book. Uh, and thank them for helping me. They started thumbing through it and they immediately said, we want an exhibit and we want to run it from May 1st through December. And, uh, okay. And then I showed it to my brother who showed it to his historical society where he lives in Lewis, Delaware. We want an exhibit. So I said, okay, I don't want to walk near a historical society for a while because, uh, you can see people you know, want this type of exhibit. So what am I doing now? I am working hard at coming up with an exhibit. Unfortunately, I'm working with someone who does traveling exhibits for the Smithsonian. So this is, this is, this is my new project is developing those, uh, that exhibit, which I think, you know, should be pretty powerful. Absolutely. And is there another book potentially down the road once you get the exhibits all figured out? Who knows? I just, you know, it's, this has been the most interesting thing. When I, I was sitting on the back of my deck reading the David Blight biography of Frederick Douglass. I mean, it's 800 pages. It's the definitive work, New York Times bestseller. And I knew a little, a bit about Frederick Douglass. I didn't realize that all around me was where he lived. I mean, I sitting on my deck, I could see the street where he lived for nine months. And it just, it was a shock, really, just the extent to which he lived. And that's really what gave me the idea for the book. And, uh, but I figured at first, well, somebody else has done this. I was shocked to find that no one else had done this. So, so I, I, at that point, I felt like this was meant to be. And the funny thing is, every time I meet somebody new and I ask them for help and they, we start getting into the discussion, they all say, this was meant to be. So at this point, I just go where, I feel like somebody else is telling me, go here, go there. I just go with the flow. Don't try to come up with my own ideas. If I take a week off, get in my boat, go to some place on the Chesapeake where I thought I could do a beautiful book of that part of the Chesapeake, I come home, there isn't one good picture in the whole bunch. I say, okay, forget it. I will simply do this book and just go with the flow. Go with the flow. Before we go, we ask everybody, and, and this is probably a challenging one for somebody like yourself. It's challenging for everybody, but if they have a favorite historic place or site. And I also, we, we meant to, before we go, we also said that we were going to ask you for that favorite quote. So maybe we'll go for the favorite quote and then we'll go for the favorite site. All right, for the favorite quote, uh, and this actually, this quote became the title of the book. And this is when he is at the Covey farm being beaten unmercifully day after day. And on Sundays, uh, basically Sunday was a day off for everybody. And there, there was, everybody was left alone for the day. He would, he was on the shore of the Chesapeake Bay. Uh, he would look out across the Chesapeake Bay and he would see these beautiful sailing ships 
going by uh, from, and he says, from every quarter of the habitable globe, these beautiful vessels robed in white. And so he wrote what he called an apostrophe uh, about that experience of sitting on the shore, seeing those boats. And uh, let me read it to you. You are loose from your moorings and free. I am fast in my chains and am a slave. You move merrily before the gentle gale and I sadly before the bloody whip. Oh, that I were on one of your gallant decks and under your protecting wing. The glad ship is gone. She hides in the dim distance. I am left in the hell of unending slavery. It cannot be that I shall live and die a slave. I will take to the water. This very bay shall yet bear me into freedom. Can't beat that. Pretty good stuff. I see why you were compelled to do it as you sat there in your back deck realizing it was all around you. Speaking of all around you, do you have a favorite historic place or site? And we'll make it easy. It doesn't have to be something connected to Frederick Douglass. Perhaps could be even the last one that you visited or a place that was important to you as a child. Okay, this this is, and it doesn't have to be in Maryland, I know. It does not, no. It's preserved Maryland. Uh, for me, I think uh, I've spent a lot of time at Civil War sites. I think the one that moved me more than any other was Appomattox. And because... If, if you read those, uh, if you read the books about Appomattox and you know, the last few days of, of the war, uh, it's incredible that. So this was Appomattox was the end of the military fight between the, the opposing forces around uh, slavery, but the beginning of something new that is still with us today. We're, we still have not yet worked it out. We're, we've, we've come a long way, but we have a long way to go but you know that was one brief war one war ended and another conflict began that we're still wrapped up in yeah i think that's a very interesting and compelling interpretation of it too that's a perhaps a little bit more modern interpretation i think originally many years ago we would say that was the end and i think you're right it was the beginning of something else um this has been just a wonderful conversation. We'll put a link in the show notes for everybody to pick up the book. Um, and then when we get information about the exhibits coming out, we'll make sure people can come and see those. And we'll share those through the PreserveCast and the Preservation Maryland website. Um, Jeff, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk with you. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to PreserveCast. To dig deeper into this episode's story, head over to PreserveCast.org for show notes and our collection of previous episodes. Don't forget to engage with this podcast by subscribing, commenting, and leaving a review. Follow along on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at PreserveCast for even more. PreserveCast is currently recorded in Walkersville, Maryland, and sponsored by the 1772 Foundation and powered by Preservation Maryland. Thanks for listening and keep on preserving.